Welcome to Season 6 of the Cocktail Lovers Podcast. I'm Sandra. I'm Gary. And together we are the Cocktail Lovers. We've been exploring the cocktail world for 15 years, sharing what we discover in our print and digital magazine, on our website and all kinds of fun places. But this is where we talk about cocktails. About recipes, products, books, bars and people. So let's find out what's in this week's episode. Another episode, another opportunity for us to natter about the fabulous people, places and products in the wonderful world of cocktails. From the drinks cabinet, we open two bottles, both of the agave variety, and they're both extremely good ones. There's Patron El Alto Tequila and the Lost Explorer Salmiana Mezcal. Our bar choice sees us heading over to W1 for the super chic but oh-so-welcoming Dover Yard at 1 Mayfair Hotel. And from the library, we're highlighting Robert Simonson's modern classic cocktails. Then it's over to Oslo, where we catch up with Paul Vozer, Head of Research and Development at award-winning, forward-thinking Himcock, who talks to us about their latest menu, which sees all 13 cocktails reimagined in an amazing clothing collection coming to the catwalk this week. But first, we are the cocktail lovers, so let's make ourselves a cocktail. So, the whiskey show kicks off tomorrow in London. Hurrah for whiskey! (laughs) And, uh, you know, never really need an excuse for a whiskey cocktail, but I'm using that as my excuse for a whiskey cocktail. Thank you very much. So, we love a simple cocktail, don't we? Absolutely. So, I am going with a whiskey highball. What's not to love about a whiskey highball? And the funny thing is, I'm I'm multitasking. I'm talking and preparing. Good. I'm glad to see finally (laughs) multitasking. So my, gla- my glasses have been chilling, as you notice, in the fridge. So that's why they've got a nice frosting on them. Lovely. But I'm also dropping it nice. So think, ab- think about whiskey highball. I used to just think, oh, you know, whiskey and whiskey and soda. But then how wrong I was. Mm. I think when we first started to have proper whiskey highballs many a year ago, I thought, oh, my God, these are things of beauty. Also, there's nowhere to hide with something like that. And it really does make the whiskey shine, doesn't it? It, it does. And if you know, I think if you've got a favourite whiskey, this is a great way mm. of opening it up and just as, as a sort of longer, more refreshing yes. drink. And right on cue, I'm really spoiling you with the whiskey today. I am giving you Johnny Walker Summer. Lovely. So, so this is a lovely expression we picked up on a recent in oh hello visit to uh print johnny walker prince yeah that's the only place you can get it isn't it i think it is Mm. they make these lovely seasonal expressions as i say this is summer as we're coming to the end of summer so let's do a little yeah let's celebrate that so this is the last of summer (laughs) and despite the fact it is called summer this expression the bottle has been chilling as well because the thing about highballs i've learned over the years we've learned over the years is the whole thing about cold 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 mm. so the glasses have been in the fridge the whiskey the soda that i'm about to add i've got icing there so a good ratio roughly for a highball is kind of two to one so 
two parts soda to one part whiskey. So I've put in 50 ml in each glass of the Johnny Walker Summer, which means... And also it's another one of those that you can just adjust according to your taste. And it's very simple to do that, isn't it? It really is. Mm. I think you can go up a little bit, down a little bit, you know. It's very personal. But I think this is, if you, you know, this is a good place to start. Yeah. And, you know, you can normally just top up with soda. But I think in this case, it is actually important to measure because, you know, you want to make sure everything's nicely balanced. Mm -hmm. So that's gone in. Also, I'm using, I mean, we're not particularly pedantic about glassware, but I am using highball glasses, which are a little bit smaller Mm. than Collins glasses. And I think you want that because you want to keep everything compact. I'm putting in a little bit more. And that's also the way they do it in Japan, isn't it? And they are real stalls of the the whiskey highball oh for sure i mean that's where we really fell in love with Mm, it wasn't it mm. and i'm just squeezing over a little twist of lemon peel finish that off also i didn't stir that you not only do you not need to stir it because the carbonation does that but also if you stir it you actually deplete the bubbles so you don't need to so i thought you you don't pull it through or anything nope no it does all the work for you easy peasy there you go here's to the whiskey show cheers Oh, lovely. Really good. That looks like you're about to open something very special. It is very special. This is called Patron El Alto, which is the new expression. Fantastic, sexy blue oh aquamarine bottle. Oh, my God, that bottle. bottle is so gorgeous. Actually, it's, it's not like, aquamarine. It's like a supermodel, supermodel of a bottle. <laughs> Easy for me <laughs> try, to say. Try to say that. <laughs> but it's also got these lovely specks through it. It's almost like glitter going through. Mm. It's so beautiful. And then this amazing stopper, which is, I guess, I wonder if that is an agave plant. But it's just something, you know, very majestic. Very tactile. Yeah. Can I have, can I have a go? Absolutely. Let me... Um, <laughs> I'm trying to grab Gary it from you because it's it's, so, it's very tall, oh God, slim. It's, so it's not like any of the other bottles no. in the Patron portfolio. In fact, I think that the, the elegance of it, the long, slim, mm. as you say, supermodel shape, lets you know, <laughs> Gary's just stroking the bottle there, it lets you know that you're in for something ultra-premium. Yeah which this is. So it is made in the old time-honoured tradition on a Tahona wheel. Have you ever seen one? No, you have though, haven't you? Yes, well, I've been to Patron to the Hacienda and actually seen them doing this. And this is really like old school where Mm. all of the agaves crushed with this roller mill so it takes a long time but it really extracts all of the goodness and all of that fantastic you are wetting my appetite i know and i'm not going to open (laughs) it until i've talked through so you can salivate even more keep going so it's an extra anejo which is aged for four years and blended with exceptional as they say these are their words exceptional anejo and reposado tequilas And that is what we're going to taste now. So obviously, being Patron and any great tequila, or in order to call yourself tequila, has to be made with blue Weber agave, which this is. So just have a little... Snifter. Oh, so you having a little oh, sneaky, that, sneaky and it pours nose? So beautifully. Come on. Yeah. 
wait till anybody coming round to Cocktail Towers, it's going to be in for a treat in the next little or, while. Or not, because we might, we might hide <laughs> I it. I think Gary will be <laughs> hiding this, actually. Right, thank you. So it's beautiful right. straw, golden colour, light oh, gold, yeah. I would say. Really nice. Light, bright. Oh, it's so fresh on the mm. nose, isn't it? Can you say something spells of sunshine? Because that's what it does for me. You can, actually. Mm. I think you're right. It does smell. Oh, and now that I've tasted it, that richness and that intensity that you get from the Tahona wheel, you know what I mean? Mm. You can tell that it's just sort of extracted all of the goodness oh out God, of that agar. so gorgeous. And what are you getting? It's a sort of... I'm getting happy. <laughs> <laughs> okay it's, it's getting happy it's, um that's at room temperature do they say whether you should serve it warm yes, or chilled it is, or it's, anything it should be chilled it's just served over ice to be honest mm. it's not something necessarily for mixing of course no. if you want to make yourself an uber fabulous yeah. margarita of course by all meals yeah. you know fill your boots but actually i think it's something that you really should enjoy as it is, yeah, you know. I mean, at, at room temperature, I really like it. Mm. You know, it's kind of funny, that thing, whether or not you put things over ice. I think all the rules have gone out the window. Mm. I think it's what you want. And that's what we always say, you know, your drink, your way. Absolutely. And I like this at room temperature. It's got a really creamy mouthfeel. And the finish is it's just tingly. So it's a smooth it's, as yeah, well. there's green grass, there's mm. all sort of herb going on. Oh, I don't know. Gosh, I, I'm he's, just. He's really I'm, going for it now. <laughs> no, but I'm just saying it's. There's certain things you try and you just say, I absolutely love this. And I absolutely love this. But also, I think, you know, right from the start, from the bottle, once you open it, you know you're in for something special. So I think that it automatically takes your mind that way as Mm. well. Do you Mm. know what I mean? So it is absolutely gorgeous. So that's Patron El Alto. And it's 750 mil, 40% ABV. Mm And it's around £190. So it just depends where you're looking. So um, we'll put details of this and obviously the picture of it so you can see what Gary's going gaga over. (laughs) And that's, um, as we say, Patron El Alto. This show doesn't just throw itself together. (laughs) (laughs) Really? (laughs) You know, you've just shared with us an extraordinary tequila. So I'm about to share with you a mezcal. Ah. So we're staying in that same part of the world. So you see my tequila and raise me with a mezcal. (laughs) I don't know about raise you, but I'm certainly... you know, we're in the same family. We are. It's all about family, isn't it? So... I must put my hand up and say, you know, mezcal for me, when I first tried it quite a few years ago, I just didn't get it. Mm. You know, it, it was such a new Was taste. it too big? I don't know what it was, if it was the smokiness. or I, I don't know. Perhaps mm. I just wasn't prepared for it. And I kind of had it or I had a few. It wasn't even like I had a bad one. I had a few. I thought, yeah, okay. But then I've kind of gone back and back over the years and I've started to fall for it. I've come under its spell. But also, in the same way, you've come around to smoky whiskies. Exactly. And I think that you didn't like them before. Yeah, so maybe strange, it's that yeah. sort of smokiness that just overwhelms you. To yeah, it, which is strange because I like smoke. Yeah, I, I like yeah, smoky. Yeah food i like smoky fires in the winter and cigars and i love a cigar Mm. so you know maybe it's all just coming together beautifully maybe you're just growing up at last (laughs) (laughs) okay (laughs) but let's go thank you so i'm going to share with you lost explorer artisanal mezcal Mm -hmm. this is made in oaxaca in mexico and there are three expressions there's the 
Aspadin 8, the Tabala 10, and I am sharing with you the Salmiana 12. Okay. I'm hoping I've done all my pronunciation. (laughs) Forgive me, folks. I do try. I do my best. And this is really all about handcrafting. And they really like to work with the environment. And they talk about not taking but sort of sharing. So what they use in terms of agave, they, they put back in terms of cultivating for the next generation. Absolutely, which is what Patron do as yeah. well. So I should throw that in as well. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. I think it's really important to share those sort yeah. of facts because we're not just drinking because isn't it fabulous, yes. although it is. But there, there are these people in the case of Patron and Lost Explorer that really care about yeah. their environment mm-hmm. and their communities. So with this, as I have three expressions, I'm going for uh, the Samyana 12. It comes in two sizes. It comes in a 750. We're doing um, a 200 ml. Can I just... I love those sizes. This bottle is very pretty, isn't it? Yeah, and it's like a lovely hip fast size. And it's really lovely in the palm, I think. Mm. It's really nice. And particularly if you... You're on the start of your agave and and mezcal journey in particular. This size is a good one to go yeah. for because then you can decide which ones you like or absolutely, whatever, and I that, that will sort of will touch on that a little mm. bit more as well. And also, I think it's worth saying, you know, with the two sides, it's not like sometimes you get a smaller version of a bottle and it's a completely different design. Yeah, this is absolutely the same design of shape of bottle scaled down which i really like mm. so you feel like you're not being shortchanged yeah it's got a beautiful wax seal on it which i'll crack open and it's got this bizarre animal on the front which i <laughs> I'm, i i used to know the name of these it looks like see. it's like a mammal with horns like an antelope but it's got wings oh there's a name for that isn't there the answers creature. on a postcard please <laughs> It's like a fictitious creature. I'm anyway, not he's going in. He's going in the gang. For those of you who remember my gang of yes. uh, characters, he's okay. going. He's going in. Anyway, what I should say with the three expressions, they're different types of agave, mm. and the numbers eight, ten, and twelve are about the age of the agave itself. So it's not about in the bottle. It's about how old the agave is yeah. before it's harvested. So this has been growing for 12 years. It's a very herbaceous expression, they say. And it's also known locally as the green giant. Yeah, and that's why it grows... it's got that um, green seal. And I know mm. with um, all of the Lost Explorer expressions, they have different colour seals. So yes. there's one with a red one. I think the other one has black. And yeah. this is the green one. So. Yeah, and it grows up to 12 feet oh, in diameter. Big old, and, and six feet big old high. Beasts. So that's why the locals call it... <laughs> Green, there you go, the green yeah, giant. Lovely. So I'm going to give you a little little wee taster again, as ever. And this is a reason not to. We're going with room temperature. There you mm. go. Why do we go room temperature? Just because we've just opened it, isn't it, really? Yeah, it's I not... guess, yeah. And it's sort of, it's kind of naked, isn't it? Mm. And then you can take it anywhere you want. Wow, this is amazing on the nose. Yeah, Very what? intriguing. What are you getting on there? I'm getting chilly. Yeah, yeah, really chilly. And there's also other things that I can't quite put my finger on. It's so expressive. Bit of citrus. Bit of citrus. Yeah. But, yeah, but definitely there's the chili the chili is chilly the thing and for then me. there's something else, but it's really amazing nose. Mm. The chili 
follows through in the taste, doesn't it? But yeah. It, don't think, folks, that that's mean soft, pot. Soft it's chili. The, you know, it's hard to explain that feeling. That it's the taste of chili, yeah. not the heat of chili. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Because it's really funny because it is really chili on the nose. Mm. You're right. Yeah. Absolutely. And it does follow through in the taste, but it's not as hot as you think it's going to yeah. be, which is exactly what yeah, you yeah. said, I guess. But and, and it's, is it it's, green or red chili? Green. Green. Green chili. For yeah, me. Yeah, yeah for me. And it's. I think it's a little bit sweet. Mm. Um, and also it's kind of, mm. it's sort of the, the aftertaste for me. It's, again, you know, I said something about sunshine uh, for, for your beautiful Patron. I think with this, it reminds me of, you know, when you get hot sun, really super hot sun on soil and you mm. smell the soil, mm. that's what it, the yeah. finish tastes like to it's me. Lovely. So now, it's this incredible. isn't, this to me isn't like one of those super smoky mezcals, no, is it's it? Not. It's it, very vegetal yeah. and it has got that lovely, as we say, that green, crisp green chilli mm. about it. I love that. That's it's, really it's nice. Re and I, I, I just briefly also want to say, you know, we sometimes say about, you know, what would you do with this, how it serves. I did look on the website, you know, about cocktails and so mm. forth it's interesting they've got a lot of cocktails on the website but they're all for the other expressions mm. but what they do have is they have sipping suggestions and they suggest that you have this with olives and demerara and semi-pickled celery and worm salt pardon yeah. so what all separate or well th this is the one thing i wish i the website just explained a little bit mm. more about you know, is it as a ritual? Do you put them, or do you have them, them all? Or, or yeah, that? yeah, yeah. And you know, even allowing for the fact you, you know, I don't suppose we'll be able to get our hands on worm salt. And I did look into that. It's ground larvae with chili and salt. Mm. So I can imagine that all. Yeah, works. that would work. But I, I, it would be nice to see a little How bit more to do it. Yeah, about yeah, ritual yeah. because I think this you wouldn't necessarily want to mix it, but you would want to enjoy it in a way, a recommended way. Mm. So that is Lost Explorer Mezcal Salmiana 12. And this size bottle, which is 200 ml, retails at £45. Mm -hmm. And I should have said also it's 42 ABV. And if you do want to get the 750 ml bottle, it's £140. Marvellous. And now for a cocktail hack from one of our experts. So I'm Ryan Chafee Wardner, or Mr. Lion, and I'm the founder of Lioness, Seed Library, Super Lion, and Silver Lion. And my favorite bar hack is to be able to bottle up something to top with bubbles. Now, this is my go-to whenever I have kind of friends coming around to the house. It's, it's something I've employed for a number of years, and it's simply where I take a base, and it's usually a white spirit with some kind of fortified wine and an accent of either a liqueur or a cordial and lightly diluted, and I keep that in the fridge. Now, this is something fairly stable, it can stay there for a long time, but what I tend to do is whenever people are coming around for drinks, and I know that I'm gonna have a few rounds or I've got enough people to be able to do it, I'll crack open a bottle of some good bubbles, anything that's kind of dry and crisp, and I'll just pour a little bit of a cocktail base into the glass, I'll top it up with fizz and garnish it, and you've got something that works a la minute because nobody arrives at the same time. Um, but it gives that little extra complexity and that layer of magic that you're always looking for in a cocktail. Right, bar review. Where did we go this week, Gary Sharp? We went to Dover Yard. We love it when we go to somewhere that's 
really, really new. Yeah, it's quite new. It opened a couple of months ago yeah. and there's a new glut of bars that have just suddenly opened in Mayfair. You know, I mean, yeah. Mayfair has always been renowned for members clubs and quite yeah. fancy bars, I would say. But these are fancy in a different kind of way. They're fancy much more accessible. relaxed. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Totally accessible. This one is called oh. One Dover Yard or Dover Yard. Dover Yard it? at yes. One Mayfair. One Mayfair, that's yeah. it. So I knew the one was in there somewhere. <laughs> But it's a really nice um, hotel because it used to be something really blah, like yeah. the Holiday Inn, and yeah. it's been given, like you said before, one of those supermodel Wonder Woman makeovers because <laughs> you would never believe that it, it, it was from a stable like that, would you? No, before? I mean, it's, it's a beautiful hotel. What we saw of it, obviously, we mm. spent most of the time in the bar, but we did have a little bit of a nose round. And it's, I think the thing that really struck us generally is kind of got that really nice natural tactile there's lots oh of my natural God. wood Textures you know and- tables made out of sort of beautifully polished pieces of tree trunk but everything's done in a really sustainable way yes I say. yes you know Lots of, as we, as you were alluding to, all of these great textures. Mm. And, and also that gives it such a lovely, homely, relaxing mm. feel. I mean, that's another thing, a thing that you don't usually see in a bar, which is lots of cushions yeah, and sofas, throws and things throws, like that. Yeah. So it's an all-day space. Yeah. And, because a, and it, an open fire. Yes, and because it does belong to a hotel, so it is an, an all-day bar. So it mm. opens from about midday, I think. Yeah. So you could imagine that you could be in there having your coffees and whatever particularly as it has these views out onto a lovely courtyard during the summer they can open up all the windows lots of natural yeah absolutely and for the evening really really lovely and for the winter it would be particularly lovely because of that open fireplace and all of the throws and cushions the thing is it's it's i think and it's very rare that you get bars that have got lots of natural light Mm. you know and it's it's can work with or without but what we liked what i liked was when we were sitting there and it was just early evening so it was just starting to get slightly dark but Mm. you know but you could sort of see um it's going to be really cozy in the evening as you said particularly i think i'd like to go back there in the winter winter, yeah and hunker down around that fire Mm. absolutely so we've got all these lovely wooden chairs but we've also got lovely squishy sofas and all Mm. all kinds of things it works very well also as a kind of working space up until about six o'clock because i don't think you're allowed laptops after that time but during the day as a little rule so do i laptops after absolutely it should be the law everywhere <laughs> i say but um we were there as we say to um sample the bar and the cocktails and it is it's beautiful space their whole mission is very much about being sustainable yeah working with the chef tom sellers who's a michelin star yeah. chef and they work with him and the kitchen to make sure they are using all of the spent ingredients from yeah, from it's the a kitchen really big I mean, it's a sort of thing we're seeing more of, but it's a really big part of mm. their offering. And also, they're trying to use a lot of local ingredients, a lot of English-British yes, ingredients. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. So the first part of their menu is called Repurposed Ingredients. Yes. And it takes in an array of cocktails, including the Rookie Bramble, which has boatyard double gin, lemon sour mash, 
British honey and brambleberry. And I think it's one of the ones that they talk about that they've got on all of the one hotels around the world now that they're all going to be having their local version of this particular okay, cocktail, yeah, yeah. which is good. We liked this one, didn't we? Yeah, it was very nice. It was very, very easy drinking. I think that's the thing. A lot of the cocktails here felt quite light didn't they? yes yes um both in appearance and being kind of as i say easy drinking which yeah they're was. not more um i would say not as boozy i know not, you hate that no, word not spirit forward yes I think yes exactly yeah, yeah. so they work really well i think for that then on that same menu oh, i liked also on this menu i like the breaking ground yeah which, they're using spent coffee grounds from their cafe place they ha- have on site and so with the coffee grounds they have hennessy vx Bordeaux coffee liqueur, their coffee grounds, as I said, treacle and espresso. I love that one because Mm. it wasn't as um, thick or syrupy as a lot of the espresso martini variants, weren't there? It was very much their take on it. Mm. It It was very much individual. Mm. Also, actually, so I want to mention one other we liked from that menu was the pan brioche. Yes, yes. That was really nice. That was Because, again, I think, was that they were using leftover croissant yeah so yeah. the croissant again from the yeah. the little cafeteria that they have at one side of the hotel so they're working with all of the the hotels and so not just the kitchen but also the the coffee shop so they use the leftover croissants or the bits of croissants and they've made that into i think they do something and make it into a syrup which really mm. gives it a beautiful texture and then they also have a lovely little mini wee 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 little uh, <laughs> Croissant on the top of the drink, which uh, I, I love that. I thought I it was love so the fact cute. Of you wee, miming wee, out wee. how small the yeah. croissant was. It's, it's, cute. it's cute. Hopefully, we got a picture that we'll put yeah. on our Instagram feed yeah. of that one. So what there's, else? There's, so that was the section they call repurposed mm. ingredients. Then they have a section called seasonal classics, which uh, does what it says on the tin. I guess. Yes. Out of that one, my favorite, actually, my favorite out of the whole the amount of drinks that we tried. I made that sound like a lot, but they did give us a sort of selection of six just to try yes it wasn't like drinking all of them at once but we just had a little taster which was good my favorite was the celery tommy's margarita which was casamigos blanco tequila oh tequila again we've got in Mm -hmm. (laughs) los cetra misterios lime celery and absinthe It was very good. I liked that as well because, you know, I've fallen in love with Tommy's margaritas mm. recently, but this was a very different take. And I thought the addition of the absinthe worked really, really yeah, well. Yeah, it this. really lifts the whole thing yeah. together. And then there was the purple carrot Garibaldi. Garibaldi, yeah, which was Campari English purple carrots orange and lemon Mm. so it's very seasonal lots of as we say sustainability and working with the restaurant as well and it's a really lovely place to spend a day or an evening actually and we have to say the food oh my god that was was gonna say i I thought you were sort of rounding up well i was but then i forgot go on you talk about the food food. very briefly to say all the drinks i think without exception about 19 were 19 Mm. 19 and the lower no uh, 12 or 19 so yeah that food man the scottish langoustine toast yeah that with was yuzu really mayo good. mint and chili that was so absolutely good. gorgeous mm. that was and it just went really well with the cocktails didn't it it's good good 
sna- it's snacking food, but like really, but really it, and smart also there's food. there's enough of it, you know. Yes. So it's not like little little bar bites. There's enough there. They they also have a lovely fried chicken with honey hot sauce, mm. very hot sauce, which that was I tasty love. As well, yeah. yeah, and then we had some grilled flatbread, smoked ricotta, courgettes, and almond. I'm getting hungry again. I know, me too. And then also we had some lovely caviar and also the oysters, fresh as you like those yeah, oysters. They yeah. were singing to us. <laughs> yeah, so definitely, definitely have some food. Yes. Definitely order cocktails. I would say my Tommy's Margarita was fantastic, the yeah. celery Tommy's. But there's a great selection there for everybody. And that is Dover Yard at One Mayfair Hotel. The brand new issue of the Cocktail Lovers magazine is out now and it's all about going local. Our homage to the people, bars and products supporting, celebrating and championing their surrounding areas. To get your print or digital issue, simply visit thecocktaillovers.com slash magazine. Okay, my book choice this week is called Modern Classic Cocktails, 60 plus stories and recipes from the new golden age in drinks. And it's written by Robert Simonson, Mm -hmm. fantastic writer, multi-award winning. He writes regularly for the New York Times and all kinds of amazing places. But this book I picked up because... We do see a lot about classic cocktails, but it's a really lovely book because it heroes modern classics. Mo- yeah, I like the sound and, of that. Yeah, exactly. And you'll love this book, actually. I'll pass yeah. it over yeah, to you. Yeah, because I haven't seen this. I, I, I know you've had it, but I deliberately didn't look at it because I knew you, you wanted to talk about yes. it. Yes. And he's mainly focused on drinks, and he's unapologetic about it, actually, by saying that the drinks that are in this book mainly focus around the years 2007 to 2012. Well, wow, that's super specific. Yeah, and wow, he said that he's, he's actually got quite a lot from 2009 because he cites this as being an apex year of peak bartender ingenuity. Those are his words, mm. which I think is really quite fascinating. So you'll love this book because yeah. you love all the stories and you love, you know, you've got the recipes, but there's some amazing information about all of the drinks that he's highlighted. They're mainly focused on recipes and bartenders in America, but he has got some some people outside of that. I wonder if you can think of... Yeah, actually, just as you said that, yeah. they fell open for, for the bramble from... The, the great Dick Bradsall. Yes, so, so he's got three of Dick's recipes. Oh, really? He's okay. got the bramble, he's got the wibble, and of course the vodka espresso, okay. aka mm. the espresso martini. He also has his people outside of the US are Salvatore Calabrese's breakfast martini. Oh, brilliant! Well deserved. He has the late Douglas Anquist porn star martini, which yeah. obviously when you needs start to be sort there. of listing them, it really reminds you how many. Great, great drinks have come absolutely. out in the last couple of decades. Yeah, yeah. we've got um, Jacob Bryars, who has this his wonderful Corpse Reviver Number Blue, uh, <laughs> which is great. But mainly, as I said, they are of American yeah. bartenders. So we've got things like the drinks called the Red Hook, which is by Vincenzo Errico from Milk and Honey. We've got the Mescal Mule from Jim Meehan. There's Tia Maria from Ivy Mix. Lots of great things like Tommy's Margarita. I know oh, that's one of your favourites. Yeah, I fell from, in that re- y- love with that recently. <laughs> and I'd like to read about that. Yes, yeah. um, Gin Gin Mule by Audrey Saunders. Lovely, 
lovely, lovely recipes. But as I say, what makes this book so compelling is because of its focus on modern classics. So mm. I really advise people to, to have a look at it because, yeah. you know, yes, we all have the wonderful things that we know and love, but there's some really great recipes in here yeah. and the stories behind them are fascinating yeah. and the photography i should say is beautiful as well yes and that's by lizzie munro so give her a little shout out and of course yes it is modern classic cocktails 60 plus stories and recipes from the new golden age in drinks and that's by robert simonson published by 10 speed press Paul Vozer has a varied CV to say the least. From working in the world of agricultural irrigation systems for Spain, Africa, Asia and Latin America to promoting cactus-based products for food and drink consumption, not to mention marketing property. But it's at Himcock in Oslo where he has really made his name. Himcock is on a mission to embody Norwegian culture through its cocktails and spirits with its in-house distillery, it produces aquavit, gin and vodka, and it's internationally renowned for its cocktails, equal parts, innovation and deliciousness. Currently sitting at number 43 on the list of the world's 50 best bars, Paul has been integral in its success since joining seven years ago. Today, he holds the prestigious role as the bar's head of research and development. Paul, welcome to the Cocktail Lovers podcast. Thank you so much, Gary and Sandra. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. It's great to see you. So you've, as Gary has mentioned, you've had a really varied background, probably a bit more varied than most people in the drinks industry. Can you tell us when and how working at Himco entered the equation? So I moved to Norway about uh, 10 years ago. And uh, I do have a background in uh, marketing and finance, but uh, as I did not speak any Norwegian, it was a very difficult for me to, and I still don't speak Norwegian. <laughs> uh, it's hard to find a job uh, because you need to speak Norwegian, of course. So um, my family background always worked in food. I love food. I love uh, drinks as well. And so I started working in kitchens in, in Oslo. Started working in restaurants, tacos, poutines, things like that. And then I ended up in the a backyard at the time. Himkook had a kitchen in the backyard. And that's how I entered the Himkook space. So it was very interesting. So I was working in Himkook's backyard kitchen seven years ago. <laughs> so that's how I mainly entered Himkook, through that door. And, and, and now, as I said earlier, you're the head of research and development. Can you tell us a little bit about that role and what it involves? So basically what I do at Himkook with Zurus as well, uh, my colleague and bar manager, basically what we do together is develop cocktails, develop recipes. We also have been also developing our recipes for our off-trade market. We have cans, so we've managed to do uh, half a million liters in that product. So it's, yeah, it's, you start, I started like from pressing basically juice for Himkook 200 liters and then transforming it how we actually work today into massifying, structurizing, and how to make the bar cost-efficient with liquid. That's my main thing that I do now. And of course, we do the menus, we do the concepts. That's my main role at Himcook, to make sure that consistency is always there and we offer the best liquid to our guests. 
Great. So for people who haven't been there, which they must do because it's an amazing space, can you tell us about Him Cook and what does make it so special? For me, I think Him Cook is a magical place for everybody. We have several concepts in-house. Of course, we have our distillery. It's called Distillery Bar because we do have a full-function distillery inside the bar where we make our own gin, vodka, and aquavit, of course. But there's other sections in our bar as well. You know, we have also a cider uh, bar where we offer local cider. So it's for everybody, not necessarily cocktails. We have also our tap tail bar where we offer uh, cocktails on draft. It just If you want to hang out with friends, if you're a group of 20, of course, Hinko can accommodate that. So... You have anything that you want in a good night out, you can find a Hinkook. Yeah, because also it's spread over a couple of floors. It's, how, what's the capacity there? Because it's huge, isn't it? If I'm not mistaken, uh, the maximum people we can have inside the house is uh, 400 people. And yeah. I think that's wow. really the maximum. And, and those spaces are so different, aren't they? The, 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 you know, they've got their own characters, the spaces, haven't they? Exactly. It's a bar for everybody. So from the intimate date to, you know, like, okay, you have the... Not our, I wouldn't call it luxury, but like high-end elevated cocktails to just the normal crowd pleasers have a good Oslo meal, a good whiskey sour, you know, a good, really good drink on tap to the high-end cocktail that uh, people are looking for as well. So it's a well-balanced base for everybody. And it's inspired a lot of other bars, I would say. So yeah, it's one of our favorites. Yeah, you've been there, as I said earlier, you've been there about seven years. You know, during that time, what would you say you personally are proudest of about your relationship with the bar? My proudest moments, I think, to be honest, I don't say this much, but is working uh, with Marosh, Marosh Uh To be honest, he's become a really good uh, friend of mine. And uh, he's just one of the best people in this industry that I've met. And uh, also, Himcook has given us this kind of like playground. I call it a playground because Himcook's limits is, you know, we're not bound to four walls. We can do, if if we really want to do something with Himcook, we can do it. It's just, I would call it limitless and, and at some points. And we've done so many collaborations, so many drinks, so many menu ideas. I mean, now we also have our cans for off trade, our key kegs as well. It's just, yeah, there's no boundaries, uh, I would say, at Himcook. And that's, I think that's like the proudest, and especially working with Marosh. Like it's, it's, it's hard, but it's hard and good the same way. <laughs> you push it's each really, other. Yeah, exactly. Do. We push it, we push each other. And I think that's, uh, that's for me, that's, yeah. That works great. And that's what we want to talk about as well, because you mentioned about the collaborations and that's something that we love and we love the way that your minds work, actually. And also the way that A, you push each other, but you push other people outside of the industry as well. So let's talk a bit about your collaborations, because the last one, which was amazing, was the first cocktail menu in the NFT space, which I still can't get my head around. (laughs) But this one that you've got coming out this month is about working with fashion. So tell us about that and tell us about your love of collaborations. So I think at Himcook, like collaborations comes up to us as naturally. I mean, we do really know how to make really good cocktails, liquid and all that stuff. But to me personally, uh, I think that represents like 10% of what people should see when they go out to bars. You know, you need to build like a concept, ambience and experiences. Let's call it experiences. So when it comes to this uh, new fashion, new fashion collaboration that we're doing with Eline Dragasen, We've been wanting to do this project basically two years ago, but to make a project like this, it takes a lot of time, a lot of resources, and we just don't want to launch just to launch. 
So we found Elena through somebody who we knew. We pitched her our idea. So basically at Himcook, we always have 13 cocktails that's our signature. And we asked Elena if she would be able to do a fashion show with our 13 cocktails. So each cocktail would represent the piece. And at the beginning, she was very skeptic. But once we pitched her the idea, we explained her how we were going to surround her and help her because at the time she was pregnant. <laughs> so <laughs> she looked at us like, oh, you guys are crazy. But she said yes. And to do a project like this, you have to support the, your, your artist that is going to give you value and who's going to add the attention. And, you know, it's just a mutual collaboration, I would call it. And it, it makes sense to us to promote uh, Norwegian. We've always, we always promote local producers, local produce. We do our local gin, local Akavaka, and why not just collaborate with local talented, gifted people? who are able to do visuals and things like, like this. Esra, of course, with the NFT menu. Olav, our last menu, he's like a multi-talented photographer who shoots for Mike Tyson, Paul Logan, and all these guys. So each year, we try to always collaborate with a Norwegian personality because it adds charm and it represents what Himcook really is. And also, because we're staying with the fashion idea, because I want people to understand that this is very much about translating the drinks into clothes. So, you know, it's like, it's a fantastic idea because the meeting of minds with a project like that is just kind of bonkers as well, but I love it. What's been the most interesting part of this collaboration for you? I mean, we, we don't know anything about fashion. Well, we, I do like fashion. We do like fashion in Hinkook. But the most interesting part is like when we gave Eline at the time she was pregnant, she tasted the drink, but then spit it back out. And then she looked at the colors. She looked at the glass. And then when we finally saw her ideas, her sketches, and she started producing like the dress that looked like the drink, and we saw it and we were like completely mind blown a little bit because she took into account, of course, the color, the glassware, the brand, which is super important because, I mean, Norway is a dark market and you can't really do market promotion. So Elite implemented the brand's logo or bottle and stuff like that inside the dress. And then when we looked at it, it was like, wow, we understand. Like it was something, it's something else. And then something that we're like, we're super stoked. It's in less than a week or it's an exactly one week, I think, or yeah. So we're super We've seen some pieces, not all of them, and uh, it's unique. Like it adds a uh, value. It really does add value to, to, to what we do. And, and we're super proud. It's a Norwegian thing for us, but uh, something else. Like I've ne we've never done something this crazy, but it takes time, you know, like you can have the greatest idea. It's been a lot of meetings, a lot of work, a lot of coordination and uh, a lot of follow-up, but hopefully will succeed. On the wow, it's, <laughs> so looking forward to this launching. And as you say, it's next week. So we've not got too long to wait now. So could you, and if you're allowed to, could you tell us a little bit about one or two of the drinks that we can look forward to on the new menu? Uh, there's one with, with, it's kind of like a gooseberry gimlet. So it's, it's whey, gooseberry, and uh, if I'm not mistaken, gin, and it's shaken, very creamy, very fluffy. And it was uh, made by Sebastian Sandvik, senior bartender here at Himcook. And Eileen's piece is just absolutely mind-blowing because it's a full white dress, very pretty. And she kind of has this snake leather green that covers some parts of the body. And then you can really tell the, the connection between the, the dress, of course, and the drink. It's, it's super well interpreted by her. It's a, 
very, uh, very job, very well done. Yes, because I remember speaking to her about it, and she was saying that there were so many ways that you could get into this project. It's through the taste, through the textures, through what sort of person would drink this drink, you know, so there's lots of things. And she found it really challenging, but in a good way. She wanted to be pushed as well, which is fantastic. Yeah, she said she's never done a collection like this. There's so many things happening. There's so many things going on. And it's not like a traditional fashion. This is absolutely something else. And she had complete freedom. And this is something we always say to to the people who collaborate with us. Our artists, like, it's you. Like, uh, we're not going to tell you, no, don't do this, don't do that. We'll, we'll, of course, set, like, guidelines and stuff like that. Please don't copy the brand's logo <laughs> and, like, normal things. But then it, it was totally up to her. Like, it was her decision, her vision, how she saw him cook, how she sees him cook, and the cocktail. It's much more, I would say, rather than doing something that's commercial, where you have restrictions in certain ways, she could go anywhere with this, which is wonderful for her imagination as well. So, you know, it's wonderful for you guys because you're so creative, but also for the designer who has a brief like this, because it's just like, you go, you know, which is amazing. This is most, I mean, when we pitched the ideas to the brand to get support financially, you know, because we've never done, we've never deployed so much capital in a project like this. And there was a, this was where Madish really played in uh, his part. He was able to convince to sell the story and to get that financial support to a project like this, which is very important. But when we told Aline, this is the budget, this is what we have, we can't spare more. She completely followed it to, to the penny. Like it was super nice working with her, like very professional very professional, which is nice, really nice. And also, we haven't mentioned, because it is actually taking place on a catwalk, so it's not just a thing of designing clothes. You're actually doing a full catwalk collection. How do you feel about that? Very stressed. <laughs> stressed. <laughs> because I, we have also, his name is Jens Carlos. He's also kind of like in charge. He's been helping us a lot. Uh, he's taking care of the music, uh, the catwalk. And the, the, my first question is, I asked him, like, what happens if somebody falls? And <laughs> he just said, doesn't matter. The person gets back up and keeps going. Okay. <laughs> That's such a practical uh, question. Yeah, yeah, this is fashion, baby. <laughs> yeah, so I was like, great. And then we, I mean, him cook, we did our job. We followed up on everything. You know, we really surrounded Eileen as much as we could for her to do her part. And she always gave us like teasers and feedback and stuff like that. But I'm not stressed. I'm not stressed. I'm a bit stressed, but uh, <laughs> I, I want to see what happens. Catwalk, Excited. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I think I'll be stressed on that at 6, uh, 6 p.m. on the 28th. But I think it, it, whatever happens, I think it, it's great. Uh, I think it's fantastic what, uh, what we've done. Uh, him cook as a whole and with Aline, I think it's, uh, it's something other people should do, like to create kind of like concepts like this. Because the thing is, you know, because collaborations are so important and, you know, we touched on the NFT one earlier. You've talked about the fashion. How do you go about the collaborations? Where do the ideas come from? Do you do brainstorm it about, you know, who can we work with or something you've seen? How do those collaborations start in, in your team's mind? Well, we brainstorm some people like the fashion one that was, yeah, I really wanted to do that one because it really spoke out. And I do love clothes, even though I look like a hobo every day. But, uh, <laughs> Stop it, Paul. <laughs> but fashion, I love. We're already started actually brainstorming on what can we do next? 
A lot of the senior bartenders have a really good ideas, some like with music, cosmetology. So we're already working on our next one. And we kind of decide, of course, what the most important thing is like, it's great to have ideas, but you have to make sure you have a good timeline and that they're feasible. I think because everybody has ideas every, you know, every minute, so like, but the hardest part is like seeing it through and making sure that it, it is possible to do. I think that's what people a little bit tend to forget. But at Himcook, yeah, we all, we all sit down, we think about it, and then we evaluate if it's a timeline fits and if it's viable. I think that's very important. Just staying on collaborations a little bit, why do you do it? You know, because it's really intriguing. And now we know that this is such a thing for you. We look forward to what you're going to do next. But what was the original idea of why collaborate on the menus or the menu launches? Because I think it, it brings a creativity. I think for us at Himcook, like we collaborate because more ideas nurture. Like, yes, Himcook is a bar. Yes, we do drinks. But working with talented people always, first of all, attracts more talent and the more ideas develop. So I think that's why we really do it. And I think it's super important. More creativity. And at the end, we really want people, you know, instead of us looking for young, talented Norwegian artists, we want those young, talented Norwegian artists that we haven't heard of to come to Himkuk and say, hey, I have this project. Can we do something together? Does it work? So that's basically our main goal in the long run. Like we really want talented people who have great ideas that could fit with mixology and carry it yearly, do something yearly with local artists and local talents. I think it will happen, definitely. That's where the magic goes as well, you know, when you get these fantastic ideas. And also it helps you with the drinks. But how does that work with the drinks part? Does the collaboration dictate the drinks or the drinks dictate the collaboration? Well, for this one, for the fashion show, the, the drinks kind of dictated the, the collaboration because we needed to have already all the drinks ready before Aileen could start working. So that for us makes a little bit of made sense. But we've never done it the other way around, which actually could be interesting. But then again, I, and also we're very, in Norway, it's very tough because, I mean, <laughs> we don't have unlimited produce. It's always kind of like the same thing, <laughs> but uh, it does create some constraints. So it's usually, yeah, our drinks dictating the collaboration. With that in mind, you know, what, what do you think has been the most difficult part of this particular project? Finding the financial assets to do something like this. It is, again, uh, Norway is a very dark market. The brands don't necessarily have, you know, the same budget as New York, London, Asia. Uh, so I think it, we are in the darkest market, so it's very hard to get marketing support. But again, like, Manoj has done an excellent job on, on, on finding that, that support, pitching it to the brands and making sure that everybody's on board. And to be honest, the brands that have supported us on, like it was, it, our pitch was so structured. We told them, we're going to do this. You're going to be here. You're getting this. And like everything was well presented that we were able to round up that, that amount of support from them. And we're very grateful to them. I think that was really the hardest part. And also they've seen your previous projects. Do you know what I mean? So it's like you're not pitching completely in the dark. They know that you're professional. They know that you execute things really well. So that's great for you guys as well. What's been the most exciting part of this particular project? I think the most exciting is yeah when we start seeing the pieces that she was, yeah, the clothes, the sketches, 
that was unique. That was really kind of like eye-opening to me. I was like, oh, this is some, like cocktails is cool. Like, don't get me wrong. It's great. It's what we do. But seeing our cocktails through, again, somebody else's eyes in close form, that's something else. That, that's super cool. And last question for you. What next? As if you haven't got enough to think about. I know. Probably you're like, <laughs> let's just get this out of the way first. No, we already started. Actually, our, our senior bartenders are, have already started working on some drinks and ideas. I think after this project, we're going to take a little breather. But still, I think we'll have, again, an amazing drinking drink menu. And also, it is the future of generation of Himku stepping up a little bit. Because, I mean, Marosh and I, of course, we're still here. But we have so many things going on behind that is for a new generation of senior bartenders and junior bartenders to kind of take, take, step up and take over a little bit. So I think that's going to be very interesting because they have a lot of challenges and it takes time. But again, like we hope, who knows, maybe a young, talented Norwegian artist or will come and knock on our door and say, I have this. Can we do something? Yes. That, that, that's the goal. And the end every year for somebody to, to come through him cooks doors and do something uh, together. Brilliant. Well, that's fantastic. And we can't wait to see the actual collection. And we can't wait to taste those drinks. So even for people that don't get to see the collection, but they can definitely visit the bar, taste the drinks and imagine what the clothes look like. Will you have the clothes anywhere afterwards that people can see them? Will they be online or so they can capture it? So yes, we all have our, the previous artist that did the menu with us. He has this a augmented reality system that he's gonna, that he gave us access to. So with the sketches with your phone, you'll be actually you're going to be able to scan the sketch and you'll see the the cat, catwalk through your phone. So at least people will get a. So that's great. <laughs> Some clothes we have decided uh, to keep. Some clothes also Aline wants to keep because she she knows that some artists may be interested in wearing them for a special occasions. So I, I find that fantastic. Some brands have contacted us because they are interested in, in buying the pieces. And all that money, of course, will be uh, donated to uh, a mental health uh, charity uh, here in, uh, in Oslo. So there, there's a few plans here and there, but I think we will keep some just for memory. Some will sell. And some hopefully big Norwegian artists will wear it on uh, next summer in the festivals just to, to, while she performs. So I think that's great. That's fantastic. So um, many things. Fantastic. So we'll get people to follow you on Instagram and also on your website so they can see the collections. But as we said, to get down to Oslo to actually get to Himcott and taste the drink. So thank you so much, Paul, and good luck with it all. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Cocktail Lovers podcast. We really hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please tell your friends and make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. For more details on the people, places and products mentioned today, head over to our website, thecocktaillovers.com.